We are live in Hollywood, California, and it is a whole bunch of years at once (laughs) (laughs) at several different locations uh, because it is the special 25th anniversary celebration of the Academy Awards here on The Envelope, Please. It's hard to believe that we've been doing this podcast for 25 years, but... (laughs) And we both look so... We both look so young. They didn't even know they had this technology in the 1950s, and yet here we are. So, uh, the Academy Awards at this point is a fully formed adult, you know? Um, When the Academy started out, as we talked about way, way back in the beginning, as I'm sure you remember, Sam, it seems Mm -hmm. like only yesterday, uh, we discussed how this was simply started out as a way of handing out awards basically to keep people happy and keep them from unionizing. And while the unionization happened basically anyway, um, and very soon after this happened, um, the Academy stuck around and very quickly became the... uh, the how would you say it the um the overall like the big tv spectacle that it is today you know it's it stopped being just about the performances and the movies themselves it really became a tv event which is what we just saw in the video we covered last week for our 1952 episode of the greatest show on made the transition to tv but and and what Sam is saying is, is is what we think of as the Academy Awards, the fact that it was this huge event, it was it was front page news. Before before there was the TV, it was still the big event of the year. It was front page news on every newspaper in the country the night after the awards. It was broadcast live on the radio. It was used in advertising in films um, with Academy Award-winning actress so-and-so in this movie. Um, And that happened within the first five to ten years of the award uh, being established. And so it's it's hard to understate how uh, there had been other film awards to this point. There had been movie magazines that would name the best movies or the best actresses of a year – uh, certainly, there have been box office receipts always, but for whatever reason, the Academy caught hold and became the standard that it was very quickly. And then over the ensuing 25 years that followed and 25 ceremonies that followed, uh, we slowly established exactly what an Academy Award winning film meant. And um, and there were some hiccups along the way. And of course, there's <laughs> still been there's still been hiccups since then. Um, but ultimately, what the first 25 years has taught the two of us, I think, is that uh, you can really track the history of an industry, the history uh, of our country through the history of motion picture. Yes, which I think is, yeah. which is what I think has been the most fun, I think, in going back now and watching all of these movies. Um, for me, at least, I've loved kind of watching these movies and trying to appreciate them for the year that they came out and what the, what you just said, what that does actually mean for where we were as a people, as a culture, as a society in those years of the Oscars. And what's really interesting to me, too, now that we're 25 years in, 
the Oscars have sort of also become a template for all future award shows that we watch today. You know, we've we've seen uh, the Tony Awards become a thing in the last 25 years. We've seen the Golden Globes become a thing in like the last 25 years. Isn't that interesting, though, that like all of these these award shows have really taken inspiration from how the Academy uh, does things. And I think that just comes from the 25 year experience. And, and let's be honest, looking back on these 25 years, as you just said, there have been quite a few hiccups. The Oscars have kind of had to kind of fully form what they want to be as not just an award show, but also as sort of the flagship of an award ceremony. You know, the Oscars are very unique where the longer they're on, the bigger the award means. You know, it just gets grander and grander as there's more history and there's more legacy behind it. Uh, Yeah, 100%. I think that, um, and the fact that the formation of it as a show is also interesting because um, the what we what we saw is particularly I think in the last ten years that we've covered, um, that's when the structure of it really being a show I think started to come together because they moved to being in a theater and they um, they started performing all of the Oscar nominated songs. Uh, this before it was on TV, those things were already put into place. They had they made sure uh, starting with, I think, Bob Hope in 1939 ceremony, we started to really have um, putting a host in place who was there to make jokes and create bits and do humor and do something more than just taking you from award to award. So all of these little elements just kind of came in. And on top of that, with the movies, uh, we saw how the struggle between popularity and artistic merit really um, does often does not go hand in hand and um, and really it is a struggle. And I. That's something that has continued to this day, but I think ultimately what we are seeing established is that the Academy will ultimately learn to always bend more toward artistic merit than popularity. Although popularity certainly does play a factor. And when the two things converge, that's, you know, that's the, that's the sure bet. But um, you can tell, you can tell that some of the pretentiousness is always already coming into play and with the missteps, you can see why it starts to come into play. Definitely. And that's something that is continued even to this day. You know, there are some Oscar winners that we look back now. And we just, just go, wait, what was the Academy thinking? How could this happen? And that's all part of it. I think upsets are also what make the Academy Awards so much fun. Because it always seems like every year there's at least one surprise or it just comes out of left field. Well, I mean, I mean, like you have voting. People are voting, you know. Yes. And, and what goes into somebody's vote, people vote on the nominations and then they vote on, excuse me. And by by this point in the Academy's history, we should... We should say that 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 the system um, the system for voting is has largely been established at this point, you know, Um, and 
most like the thing about the interesting thing about doing a 25 year checkpoint, I think, is that we have now gotten through most of the growing pains that I think the Academy had, um, not just yes. in some of their stranger picks for best picture, but um, but in what being an Academy Award winning film means. Definitely. We've gotten through some of those road bumps. And also we've, we've gotten through a lot of the early hiccups of just movie making in general. You know, the the flow of how to create a great sound quality picture and color picture um, is now way closer making to what we're seeing. Making a sound quality podcast is a whole other... <laughs> That's a whole other kind of thing, isn't it? <laughs> we're definitely finding out. But it's true. We're definitely, I think, you know, as we've seen in these last couple of years that we've covered in the early 1950s, you and I have both had way more to discuss, way more opinions, simply because we're getting to the movies that we've just seen more of these films. They're just better movies in general. Um, but I think that had that can only be possible the longer we go with the Academy Awards, you know, and also the more... American history that impacts the film industry, of course, we're going to get um, more interesting films. Yeah, I mean, you you look at it, and when the Academy started um, in the late 1920s, um, you know, the country was 150 years old, um, basically. Uh, more or less. More or less. And while we had gotten through the First World War... Uh, America was still largely a very isolationist country at this point. Um, the Depression was just about to start. Um, and um, the big thing that I think makes America, quote unquote, into what we think of America being mm -hmm. is World War II. Definitely. And, and so we have seen the Academy go through that. Now. We sure have. So here's a good question for you to kind of bounce off of what you just said. What do you think, what, I guess, world events or even just national event do you think impacted the Academy Awards the most? Do you think it's World War II? I mean, yeah, I guess, I, I mean, like, it'd be nice if maybe I could crystallize a more specific answer. Maybe you say Pearl Harbor. Maybe you say... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, if you point to a specific event, it has to be Pearl Harbor, because it's at that point that the entire priority of what we're doing changes, you know, Definitely. It, it, the entertainment takes on a responsibility over the next few years um, as a kind of a unit of uh, the war effort, you know. Definitely. Exactly. It's sort of like, you know, what we talked about during those war years of the 1940s. What movie is going to either lift the spirits of the American people the best or what movie is going to inform the American people as to what's going on overseas the best? It kind of goes back and forth when you see movies like Mrs. Miniver, The Best Years of Our Lives versus Going My Way, you know, two totally different films, but both supplying an important, um, supplying an important, I guess, uh, an important, um, like I know what you're trying to say. Me. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's you're a smart it's, person, uh, you know words, come on. It implies an important function that the people need in those years. Well, you know, it's interesting. Not only does it supply that need, but then it 
because it becomes this cataclysmic event for America, it ends up supplying story for so long. And we end up having, I mean, like, let's look at this. You got uh, Mrs. Miniver Casablanca uh, going my way. Um, the best years of our lives. Um, the Lost Weekend in there. The Lost Weekend. Does The Lost Weekend deal with World War II? I forget. No, it doesn't. But That's it's definitely I like... I was like sure. looking for movies that dealt directly, that have World War II in them. In them, sure. Um, and then... Uh, well, I would say Gentleman's Agreement then as Gentleman's well, Agreement. dealing with anti-Semitism. Does, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, the World War II fight scene in Hamlet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding. Um but also, uh, I forget. Does it does it brush? It doesn't brush against all. The, does it brush against all the king's men? Well, here's what I would say about all the king's men. That's just dealing with shady politics, and I think that's something that into... comes out of World War II. I think that's kind of a bigger topic as well. World War II definitely changed. Do you think the Cold you know, War? Do you think the Cold War? Well, is... that's what I'm saying. World War II gave way to the Cold War and McCarthyism and anti-Semitism and all of those things that we have been talking about in the last couple of years. So again, you know, when you're looking at the Oscar-winning films as a, a marker of American history, you really see cause and effect here. And I think that is why film is so important. No, I agree with you. That's that's ultimately the reason why this project of ours is so interesting is because, and I'm sure it's interesting for all the many people who are going on this journey for us, with us, is uh, <laughs> is that we are watching the evolution of a society in addition to watching the evolution of an award show and watching the evolution of film. There's so many factors going into the decisions that are made, the movies that are getting made, the people that are popular it's uh, yeah, it's it's historical. And it's like what you said too. I think it's interesting to think of the Academy Awards less of an award show and more as like a, a democratic election almost. Mm-hmm. You know, we really are electing what we want to best represent us. And when you we think of it to that way, years to fix it. Exactly. When, when, <laughs> you think of it, when you think of it that way, it does become. Um, it, it takes on a different life in itself. It's not just about the movies. It's about morale. It's about history. Uh, I mean, you go to the greatest show on earth, which we <laughs> had a long discussion about last week. I'm sure everybody was super into that. Um, but I mean, here's the thing with greatest show on earth is the greatest show on earth in a democratic election. The communist is not going to win. So high noon. <laughs> Exactly. So I knew that. But but ultimately, as we broke down, we broke down all the factors that go beyond the merit of the movie itself, which exactly. lead to people voting a certain way. Exactly. Know? And that's what I think is so interesting. The psychology behind the voting for these awards just never ceases to amaze me. So on that yeah. topic, though, we're talking about the greatest show on earth here. I'm curious, what do you think is the worst representative for best picture in these first 25 years? What is like the biggest smudge on the Academy's silver history? I, I got to tell you, it's really hard not to give it to the greatest show on earth because, <laughs> because the greatest show on earth, you know, like you can't, you can't say like, okay, Broadway melody is probably actually the worst overall movie in academy uh, so far in academy history but with the broadway melody there are 
excuses that you can give as to why it won. It's only the second Academy Awards. It's transitioning from silent to sound, so there is that hiccup. It's the first musical of its kind. Like, there's a lot of things that you can say, like, okay, yes, this isn't high quality, but, like, this is why they chose that. And it's not right, and there were better movies, but I at least understand that. Greatest Show on Earth feels to me more like you should know better by now. Mm, That's a good point. You know? Does that, Absolutely. Does that like you can't blame Growing Pains at this point? Like you, no. You you have cl- clearly demonstrated that you know what a high quality film is. And there's other movies that I don't care for as much. I mean, we talked about An American in Paris. I mean, I still think that's an artistic achievement. So, um, oh, sure. you know, and Going My Way is a weak Best Picture winner, but I can at least say like, well, this is about World War II morale. Life of Miguel Zola is boring, but I mean, it's it's still like a prestige picture, so it doesn't right, bother a, me too much. A grand biopic. Like, what about Cimarron does not hold up well, but I, I mean, was say. but Let's I mean, get still, into Cimarron. I I think I'd rather watch Cornell Wilde shirtless than than that's maybe anything else that's happened. But <laughs> and I was other say than that, too. I I'd rather watch say. Cimarron. You'd you'd rather watch Cimarron. That's fair. I think, yeah, for me, it goes back to what you were saying. For me, the worst kind of representative of Best Picture is the Broadway melody. And but I I understand your reasoning why. Yes, absolutely. It is, you know, the first musical to win, one of the first talkies to, you know, what I mean, it's like there are all those factors that kind of excuse it for being absolutely horrible. However, I will still say the greatest show on earth is more entertaining than the Broadway melody. And if I had it, to you return are correct. to one, do you know what I mean? But you, I can the see Broadway, your side of it. Broadway too. melody doesn't hold up at all. It's and, like not even a movie, you know? <laughs> and it's and it's sad because if someone were to watch that movie, they would think that that is what all movies in 1929 are like. Mm-hmm. And there are movies that do hold up well that were made in 1929. That is the that is the sad thing about a wrong best picture choice because the wrong best picture choice ultimately is what people think represents an entire year. Correct. And and that is what's and that's ultimately what gets aggravating about something like going my way, which I mean at least there's probably a lot of people who would find going my way very entertaining. So. You know, I'm sure there are. It, yes. it, it feels a niche. But I mean, like, if Double Indemnity is the best picture of 1944, that makes people know, oh, movies were badass in 1944. You know, Greatest Show on Earth is is best picture winner. It plays into that stereotype of everyone thinking everything's over the top and hokey. And, yep. and, and you need to have, like, a big blockbuster winning. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, it like, when people make fun of old movies... Mm-hmm. They're they're making fun of the acting that is in the greatest show on earth. Yes, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, and the dialogue that's in the greatest yeah. show on earth. But meanwhile, that exact same year, you have High Noon, mm-hmm. you have Sheba, uh, Come Back Little Sheba, you have uh, Singing in the Rain. As far as musicals go, you have uh, um, Pick Up on South Street. Isn't that one we talked about? We talked uh, about Bad and the Beautiful. Bad and the Beautiful, you have movies that have so much to offer in terms of 
literate mental challenges. Exactly. <laughs> um, who that are entertaining while also being smart and well written and well acted, and it's sad that somebody may say like, "I'm going to go see what the best movie in 1952 was," and this is what they're going to think. Right. Because I mean, it. like, for I think it when it comes down to it, like something like an American in Paris is more about taste. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, and definitely. So, and so you could, someone could still look back at that and think like, Oh, this is impressive in this way or that way or, or whatever. Great show on earth. There's, there's just nothing about it outside of a couple of scenes where, um, the acrobats do something impressive. Right. And but that's that point about is the like... extent of showing you any sort of advancement. It, it not it's, it has nothing to do with filmmaking. Yes, yeah. at that point, it's like, I'll just go on YouTube and watch old circus videos, you know? Like, the entertainment value of that in a movie is just... It's not very high at this point. It really no, isn't. especially if you're not establishing... It, 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 there's a way to make that a good movie. It's just not the way they did it. <laughs> yeah, it's cutting about an hour out of the film. That's well, how. beyond that, having the parts that are left be better scripted and and no charlton heston <laughs> yeah cornell wilde can stay i just want to really establish this we have no problem with cornell wilde no he's welcome in anywhere he, like he should have been in did, going my way he should have been you know he can be in any best picture winner actually <laughs> and i think he has to be in the outfit yes but he i that would have worked perfectly in hamlet would have increased my enjoyment of hamlet absolutely you know Definitely. Um, if he had been in the Broadway melody, it would have been way better. Yeah, I don't know how he fits into All Quiet on the Western Front, but you oh, know, oh, we'll find a way. But I mean, like he's maybe Gary Cooper's... Oh, no, it's war. His shirt got blown off. Now he's just oh, I lost my pants. You know, like. <laughs> We've also learned uh, who the most attractive men are in any given. <laughs> we have. I mean, goodness sakes. I mean, between Gary Cooper just being absolutely oh. stunning. He's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, Cornell Wilde was the discovery, I think, for yes. us. But, oh, yeah. Um, what a discovery. But, I mean, there there have been others that um, I've quite... Lawrence Olivier in tights is Lawrence always... Olivier. Listen, a young Gregory Peck, come on. Gregory Peck, goodness me. So I, That is, really, the Academy Awards is about two things. <laughs> Finding the attractive men and celebrating the badass women. This yes. is, we're trying to flip everything on its head. We're going to objectify the men and give that. women okay. all the power. This is fun, though. Okay, so here's another question for you in talking about the the men and women of the Academy Awards, our winners. Who would you vote to be the king and queen of the first 25 years of the Oscars? Your number one actor and your number one actress. I think Betty Davis is the queen mm -hmm. of the first 25 years. Um. She at least was very, and historically speaking, at this point, she was very much considered to be the, Catherine Hepburn hadn't had her run yet. Sure. So, Betty Davis is considered to be the, the savant. The queen. Plus, she was briefly the president of the Academy. So, I mean, there's a yes. lot. 
what more pedigree uh, do you need? The king is a little bit, I think, more difficult to pinpoint. But this isn't someone we've talked about a lot, but I think the only one that makes sense right now is Spencer Tracy. Mm. Oh, that's a good that's a good call. I see Just that. Just because he, at this point, has won the most of any actor. Sure. Um, in the best actor category. Walter Brennan, I think, has three. Three. Um, but, and he still has more nominations to go. He's going to get ten, right, total. Um, and he, uh, he's been kind of a quiet force that has been consistent, and he has remained popular this whole time. Yes. And is still, um, and still has a lot left to give as well. Those are my, those are, yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. I love that, actually. I completely agree with you. When you said Spencer Tracy, I hadn't thought of him, but I completely agree with that. Spencer Tracy and Betty Davis, I think, are. But now, let's get more specific. Okay. Who, or what, I guess, uh, performances are your king and queen? The greatest female the greatest performance? performance the, and the and yeah. the greatest male. And they can be lead or supporting. You don't have to necessarily just be um, actor or actress. Um... Gee, that's that's a you know I, I, I we're probably torn between the same. I really would love to give it to our obsession, Olivia and the heiress, um, <laughs> but I feel like I feel like Vivian Lee in Gone with the Wind is like the defining best actress performance. Okay, like I think that establishes a certain precedent. You know I what I'm saying? I see that. I see that. Um, if it wasn't her, I would say Olivia, just based on my own personal taste. Although yeah. Vivian Lee and Streetcar is also a very yes. See if it's if it's between there. if we're talking Vivian Lee here, I would give it for Streetcar over um, Gone with the Wind in my opinion, just because I just think Streetcar is a better movie for me in general. Yeah, but totally. I would I would have to say my queen goes to Olivia for the heiress. It just it has to. I completely get that. There's I think, no greater. I think for me, I'm just. I, it's tough for me not to look at this as far as like a historical. Like I have sure. problems. I, I I have problems putting my personal feeling into it because I feel like I'm being biased. Right. You know, but but of course Olivia is our queen. <laughs> yeah. uh, but as far as impact on popular culture, you know. That's fair. Yep, I can see that. I feel like my best actor. Oh goodness. Um. This is tough, uh, right? Oh my. Mm. Oh golly gee. Your uh, favorite Oscar-winning performance by an actor. Do you have one? Because I need to think. I do. So mine might be a little out of left field. It's not a leading actor win, but it's for George Sanders for All About Eve. Oh, I love that. That that's is really my, great. That's my favorite male performance of this last 25 years to win an Oscar, anyway. That's a really that's a really good one. That's very that's very solid. Yes, I'd have to say my my absolute favorite that did not win an Academy Award would have to be Jimmy Stewart for Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Are you telling me you're not going to choose Jimmy Stewart in the Philadelphia Story as your as your as my favorite? No, but that one grew on me. That one has it, grown on me probably the most. I I really appreciated your evolution on that. I, yes. I did. I respected I to, you reserve, re, changing your opinion. Yes, it deserved so. a rewatch. Yes. I still, I think my issue was more that the word lead can be kind of 
Yes. But he does have one of the best drunk scenes. So good. It's yeah. really, really funny. Um, <sighs> <laughs> it's tough, it's right? Like, There's a lot. It's tough. I mean, like, I'm going through them in my head and thinking about um, their merits individually. Mm-hmm. I also don't care as much about this category as the female category, <laughs> so there is this... I know, that's uh, why I delved into supporting actor, which I think can sometimes be better. <laughs> yeah, but I think I'm going to go with... Um... Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We feel um, it. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say Clark Gable, and it happened one night. Ooh, I like that choice. Um, I considered. I couldn't pick him to be the king of the Oscars mm-hmm. because that isn't his thing. He had True. a few nomina- a couple nominations. How many? Yep. Had, that three? was well. It happened one night. Mutiny, and then uh, Gone oh, with the Wind. Yeah. Yeah. So he had three nominations. So there is that. Yep. But I like that his performance in It Happened One Night defines something about the era of filmmaking in that it was a personality-driven medium. Sure. And so, in a way, he his performance in that movie defines what being a movie star meant in this period. So that's, like that. that's how I'm going to... That's how I'm wrapping my head around it. You know, I mean, I almost went with Jose Ferrer and Chirino. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Uh, Just his nose. Just just his nose. Um, (laughs) You know, uh, I will say as far as a performance goes, I think what I was most surprised by was Broderick Crawford in All the King's Men. That was one of my runners runner ups. Yeah, I think that is a really standout performance as well. Did Bray Milland? Mm-hmm. He won. Yep. He he's like the, his performance in the Lost Weekend is is high up there for me. Really, really great too, right? Um. So yeah, I have a few minds of this. Mm-hmm. I would say I. Oh man! Ooh, I almost want to change my king. Ah, to who? Frederick March. Ooh, that's a I, pretty good one. I forgot about him for a second. Um, but he has. A bunch of nominations, a bunch. or at least a few. And mm-hmm. the more I see him, and the more I like him, because he's um, when he's younger, he's like attractive. So there's that. But then as he gets older, he really like digs into the acting. And yes. we'll get to this movie eventually. But I don't know if you've seen Inherit the Wind. Mm-hmm. But he like disappears in that movie. Yes. He's also, so good. he's also so Spencer good. Spencer Tracy. There you go. Um, and Spencer Tracy's in it too. Yeah. There's, right. there's and, your uh, two kings. And also a really rare dramatic role for gene kelly it's a that's yes. a really good movie um movie. uh but uh we'll we'll get to stanley kramer central later but um lots Super of stanley well. kramer coming up in the future yes. um but uh but i i really like frederick march i think he's a great actor i think he is a good representation of the period no i'm changing it he's my king i love it perfect yeah. He's also in my favorite version of A Star is Born. Ah, yes. So there you go. There, That's where you have me. He's phenomenal. And if you want to see a version of A Star is Born, again, that's under two hours. There's only one that is under two hours. <laughs> and it's a superior one. It hits all the beats you love. 
It has the it has the 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 ceremony that goes wrong. It has it does her on a stage at the end of the movie. It has him walking into the ocean, killing himself at the end. It's all there. Spoiler. <laughs> it's all there, but it's under two hours. There's uh there's no musical numbers that stop the show. Thank God. Um, you don't get shallow. Sorry, shallow is a great song. You it can is. play it in your head while you're watching. You sure uh, can. You get Janet Gaynor, who is a delight. Straight up. A delight. Just get some delight. Technicolor. And, 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 it's under two hours. Boom. I don't know how to like overemphasize. Oh, and he still says, "Hey, what? I just wanted to take another look at you." It's all there. It's all sure. there. Now that we've kind of gone back, what do you think is the overall best representative for the best picture winner? Now, this what? is not necessarily going to be what I think is the best movie or 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 my favorite. That's a good question. No, let's do you, what do you think is like the the best representative for the best picture category. So like, it doesn't have to be the best film, but like in the time it came out, it matched with everything going on. It was a good movie. You know, like everything fell into place. The, it progressed the ceremony. Yes. If that makes sense. Like a mile I'm going to go with... Are you ready? I'm ready. Going my... No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. No, seriously this time. Hamlet. Um, <laughs> uh, no, actually, uh, I'm going to say All Quiet on the Western Front. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. I, I like that choice. Mine is... In a similar vein, but it is a little bit later. Mine is the best years of our lives. Yep. I, that was films. that was going to be my next. Because here's the deal: unquestionably, the best movie to win Best Picture in the first 25 years is Casablanca. I just want to say, like, yes. this is not an argument. This is <laughs> you aren't allowed to have another opinion. This is not up for discussion. <laughs> Casablanca is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, movie ever made. It is the best movie to win Best Picture in the first 25 years. Yes, it the is. The movie that I I think what both of the movies we just picked really established something about what an Oscar-winning movie is supposed to be. Yes, I agree. All Quiet on the Western Front I chose because it's the first one that really does it. And yes. it, it hits all the beats, and it is so ahead of its time. In so and, many ways. And still being studied today, you it's know. So that's good. Yeah, it definitely represents an, a very important milestone, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it's the Academy getting that first boost of self-importance. Yeah, exactly. You know? and I think it really showed the strength of what a movie is, too, and how yeah. you can use movies to sway opinion and, you know, get these reactions out of people politically, not just and on the an way emotional you use, level. You use visuals, and in the case of this movie, the first one to win Best Picture that uses sound effectively. Yes. You know, I mean, like the the last scene of that film, which when the sound stops, it's like the recognition of understanding how to use sound and how not to use it. It's like that's where it's really coming together. Absolutely. And it's exciting. And I think for me, the reason I decided to choose Best Years of Our Lives is because I think that movie 
did what other war films hadn't done yet, and that was to show the effect of what war will do to you afterward. You know, post-traumatic stress disorder had never really been discussed, at least in there was not as a, there wasn't large a term film. For it. There wasn't a term for it yet, you know? Exactly. So I think, you know, it, it, it discusses all the things we've, we've learned about war and what can it do, but then it even goes twofold and shows, well, now let's see how it affects people coming back. And I think that is such an important conversation starter mm -hmm. and has only progressed in importance in future wars as well. What does this do to a human being? Yeah. And that to me is the most fascinating. And I think that's the most important question. Yeah. And it really does set a standard. It comes right after world war, excuse me, right after world war two. And that really does set a standard for what movies are going to do for okay. decades to come. I agree. So speaking of decades to come, Rance, here we go. Let's look into the future a little bit. I want to know, since we've done our first 25 years, what uh -huh. what decade are you looking forward to the most in uh, watching the movies and discussing? Uh, I, I, I'm probably most dreading the 80s. Um, it's <laughs> <laughs> going to throw sure. that on the table. All the movies in the 80s are super long. Um, yes, they are. Yes, they are. <laughs> Length wins Best Picture in the 80s. Um, <laughs> I I am really looking forward to, I have become a big fan of 70s films. I'm looking forward to the 70s. Oh, man. Me, too. The yeah. 70s. Uh, the 70s are one of the, just like the first decades I've also I never fell seen in love with. Sting. Oh, wow. Okay. I know. Okay. okay. Um, and I love The Godfather and Godfather Part 2. I think... The year Rocky wins in 1976 is one of the most fascinating years fascinating. Um, of the Oscars. Like, I, 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 it's such an interesting transitional phase in Hollywood history that there'll just be, there'll be a gold mine to discuss. I completely so, agree with you. There's some long best picture. There's a lot of long best picture winners coming up, actually. There is no decade that doesn't think length equals greatness anymore. Let's look into next week, Rance. We have a, a pretty big film next week. We are going to be watching From Here to Eternity. Now, I've seen this before. I know you've seen it, but it's been a while, right? It's been a while, so I'm looking forward to looking uh, back at it. I love Deborah Carr, and when I watched it before, I hadn't really gotten into Deborah Carr yet. So Ooh. now I've seen more with her, and I'm excited because... Uh, this is one of the few movies where she plays an American, too, so she doesn't have her British accent in this movie. True. Uh, and because uh, she was a British discovery that MGM brought over to the States. Um, and uh, I, Burt Lancaster is another gorgeous male for us to look at. And, then and throw in Montgomery Clift. Come and on. Montgomery Clift. And I love Donna Reed. Like, this is going to go, this is going to be a great week for me. All right, we'll tune in next week, everybody, and we'll be discussing From Here to Eternity.